0: Well, please take your Bibles and turn to the passage we did for our Scripture reading this morning, as Chris read from Galatians chapter 6. We're going to be focusing in on verses 2 through 5. Now, a little bit of context. Number one, we are one week away from concluding our summer series, Changed Minds, Changed Lives. We have been going through the Word of God to see the importance of taking thoughts that aren't necessarily directed toward the things of God and seeing how God transforms us, how God changes our thinking, changes our minds, so that we can focus on the things of God. So let me encourage you this morning as we go through this text Don't just look at this as an exercise in going through the Scripture, but understand the importance of taking these principles, these truths, and applying them to the Word of God, applying them to your life. They are the Word of God. So let's look at this text, and let's see what it has to say. First of all, as we come to this text, we see that we are to bear one another's burdens. You know, when we look at our lives, isn't it easy for us to get wrapped up in ourselves? So often we look at the issues that are going on with us, and we don't think about the needs of other people. The way this passage of Scripture is placed in the book of Galatians is intriguing. You see, in the fifth chapter, the Apostle Paul was talking about not living according to the flesh, living in the freedom that God has called us to, but then he keyed in on the importance of walking in the Spirit, in other words, depending on the Spirit of God. Immediately following the passage that talks about depending on the Spirit of God, we move into this part of the text that talks about how we are to care for one another, and I believe that that is by design. You see, a part of having the Spirit of God influence our lives will be the way we interact with one another. When we are truly led of God's Spirit, when we are really walking in God's Spirit, that's going to have influence on the way that I treat my fellow believers and the people around me. It's going to be evident. That is how God works in our lives to change us so that we have changed minds about our responsibility to one another and thereby have changed lives in the way that we treat one another. So let's look at this text. Let's try and glean from it insight as to how I'm to minister to others, how I'm to bear other people's burdens. It begins with the second verse. And again, this is right on the heels of a call to us in the first verse of Galatians chapter 6 that tells us the responsibility that we have to go to an erring brother or sister who has swerved into sin and become entrapped by it and how we're to gently care for them to come out of that sin and to live differently. But then we come to the second verse, and this is what I want us to key in on. And the Word of God calls us to this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, that simple statement is packed Because it shares with us that we need to choose to help those around us. As a matter of fact, the way this is framed in the original language, this is a command. This isn't an option. It is something that we, as the people of God, are to implement into our lives. And so when it says, bear one another's burdens, what is it saying? What it's saying to us, quite simply, is this. I am to be aware of those around me. I'm to look to them. I'm to see where they are carrying something that is too heavy for them. And then I am to approach them and ask how I can help. In a nutshell, that's every believer's responsibility. Sometimes as believers, we don't think about others' needs. We're so focused on our needs that we're blind To what's going on around us. The Word of God is calling us to think outside ourselves and to think about those around us and to be aware, to look around, to see the needs of other people. Now, from the context, what the Apostle Paul was talking about is someone who is struggling with a sin, perhaps a besetting sin, that they're having difficulty being delivered from. As a believer in Christ, Helping them to bear a burden would be that person who comes alongside them and helps them work through their struggle with that sin. You might be an accountability partner. You might come alongside them and pray with them as they seek to be delivered from a sin that they are having difficulty being delivered from. It has the idea of being that support person for the other person, but this idea can also be expanded beyond that. Bearing one another's burdens... The word burden in the original language carries with it the idea of a load that is too heavy for one person to carry. Now, if any of you have tried to struggle with an unwieldy two-person lift and you're trying to do it by yourself, you know that you can hurt yourself when you try to do that all by yourself. I'm finding as I age, the uh, upper end of what I'm able to lift has diminished Things that I never thought about as a younger person lifting, I'm now like, hmm, maybe I better get help, right? Well, listen, when it comes to our lives, that's what we're to do in our lives. We are to humbly recognize that we need help, but also we're to be aware, we're to look, we're to see, hey, this person needs help, and I need to come alongside them and assist them and what they're doing. This is what the Spirit of God would lead us all as believers to do. Now, this can pertain to sin, but it can pertain to other things. For instance, if you have experienced a loss, you may need a person to come alongside you and help you through the grief process. That's where the body of Christ comes in. That's where we look to one another and we think about how we can care for one another. Maybe you've lost a job And you look and you say, I'm hurting right now. My self-worth has diminished. My finances are in trouble. And I need help from the body of Christ. We as believers need to be humble enough to accept help, but aware enough to give help. And so that's what this passage of Scripture is calling us to do. We are to bear one another's burdens. That is to be a description of the body of Christ. And so, as believers who are followers of Christ, this is a very practical, actionable thing that we are commanded to do. We are to come and help those that we become aware of. You see, the Word of God reminds us that when we are a part of a church body, we're not in it alone. We are no longer running solo. In fact, The Apostle Paul said this when he wrote to the Corinthians, There will be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So what is the Word of God calling us to do? To care for one another, to bear one another's burdens, to invest our lives, our energies, our thoughts our prayers, anything that we have, our resources in helping others to bear that load that they can't lift on their own. Oh, that the church would model that, that we would demonstrate that. Now, there are some of you who do. And I have to say, I am so thankful to be the pastor of a church family, a church body that does come alongside those who are bearing a need, and let me also share this: if you guys don't let us know the need, we can't help you bury it, bear it. We can't help you if we aren't aware of what's done. Something we love to do is go to the hospital and have prayer with people before they go into surgery. And sometimes, as a pastor, I'll hear, "Well, nobody came to visit me, and uh, uh, we didn't know you were going." You know, we, we need to know what's going on in your life so that we can come alongside you and help you. And that's what the whole church body is to do, to come alongside one another in that way. But then the text continues. And as we see, we're not only commanded to bear one another's burdens, but in so doing, we fulfill Christ's law. Look again at that second verse, and it says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, Often, when we think of fulfilling the law of Christ, we think of it in terms of not doing the stuff in Scripture that we're told not to do. Uh, I'm not to lie. I'm not to steal. I'm not to commit adultery. So, fulfilling the law of Christ means that I don't do stuff. Well, guess what? In addition to not doing certain moral things that are outside the boundaries of what God has established, we are also commanded to do things. So the Christian life isn't just a list of things that I don't do. The Christian life is becoming engaged in things that I'm called to do. And one of the things that we are called to do as followers of Jesus Christ is care for one another. And in so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ. When Jesus was speaking to His disciples he said the following John chapter 13, verse 34, and it says this A new command I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me tell you something when the world looks on and sees a church that loves, they catch an image of Christ. They see what Christ intended for His followers. They are given a visual of the love of God as it's expressed through His people. So when the Word of God tells us that by bearing one another's burdens, by caring for one another, we're fulfilling Christ's law, it's sharing with us that we are accomplishing something important as we come together. Sometimes we think if I can pass a theological exam, if I can memorize the songs for worship and sing them beautifully, then I'm doing what God wants me to do. Listen, there's more to it than that. There is a practical application of the things of God that's brought out by our activity. And one of those important activities is bearing one another's burden. You know, the passage goes on to talk about what that looks like practically, but let me also share this. The passage also shares with us the importance of this obedience to Christ. We're commanded to in that first phrase. It's reinforced in this second phrase by saying we fulfill the law of Christ. John, 1 John chapter 3 verse 16 says this, by this We know, love, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And then, to me, this is one of the most challenging parts of that passage. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Listen, when it comes to fulfilling Christ's command, it's not just talking about it. It's not just using the L word, right? It's easy to go up to someone and say, Hey, I love you. Well, what good is it to someone when they have a need? We're aware of the need, we have the means to help in that need, and we just say to them, Hey, I hope everything works out for you. I love you. We haven't done anything, words are easy. Actions are more difficult. And so when the Word of God is telling us to bear one another's burdens, again, it's talking about a practical outworking of love where we invest our time, our energy, our resources in loving one another. The Word of God wants us to be engaged in that kind of love. The Apostle Paul said this, "'Love one another with brotherly affection.'" And then I love this part, outdo one another in showing honor. Not that we have a contest, okay? We are not going to give a grand prize for the one who outdid everybody else in showing honor, but, but you catch the idea. Never look at it and say, well, you know what? I've, I've met my quota. I did a nice thing today. Check that box and move on. It carries with it the idea of a way of life, a way of thinking, a changed mind that brings about a changed life. We love one another and we honor one another. So the passage continues. And what it shares with us is why sometimes we struggle with bearing one another's burdens. As we come to the third and fourth verses, we see that we are capable to serve others only when we're humble. As a matter of fact, caring for others requires humility. Look at the third verse. The third verse says this, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. What's the obstacle to me becoming engaged in helping somebody else? I get too full of myself, I become conceited, I carry pride, I think of myself as too important to engage. Sometimes I'll look judgmentally at somebody else who's fallen into a sin and I say, well, I'd never do that. They got themselves into that mess, they can get themselves out of it. And when we do that, we fail one another. We as believers in the body of Christ should be there for one another, even when there's sin in our lives. We should never get haughty, proud, conceited, and cut somebody off who needs help. We as believers should do all that we can to move outside ourselves and to think about others. Look at the issue that was going on here that the Apostle Paul is addressing. If anyone thinks that he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Self-deception. That is something that we can fall into so easily. We can think that we have arrived spiritually, that we have achieved a plane spiritually that nobody else exists on, and as a result... We don't think of others. We only think about ourselves. Everything is about us. Everything is directed toward us. We want praise and accolades and adoration. A humble person is aware of other people. A proud person is not. They're only aware of themselves. And the part about self-deception, I think, is so powerful in this passage. When we think that we're something... When we are nothing, we deceive ourselves. We are responsible for talking ourselves into being people who are looking at ourselves as a notch above everybody else. The Apostle Paul said this as a perspective builder to the Corinthians. Who sees you or who sees anything different in you? And, and here's the real perspective builder what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you did not receive it? Isn't that a great perspective builder? If I have material goods, God put me in the place to where I could acquire them. If I have a winning personality, God wired me and designed me Where I could have that kind of personality. If I have attractive features, God is the one who made me that way. If I am growing spiritually and I have grown in my knowledge of God's Word, I'm not to become arrogant and say, Well, I'm the great Bible scholar now. I'm to look at that and say, God is the one who gave me those truths. You know, that reminds me of the story of a pastor who just preached a great sermon. At the end of the sermon, the congregation, as they were filing out, they were saying, wow, that, that, that was just an awesome sermon. That was so great. And the pastor's head started to get pretty big, so he got into the car with his wife, and he said, boy, I had more comments on my sermon today. They all said I was a great expositor of the Word. Then he looked at his wife and said, I wonder how many great expositors of the Word there are. And his wife looked back at him and said, One less than you think. (laughs) (laughs) We need to be people who don't build ourselves up, puff ourselves up. We need to look and understand that what we have is from God. And I don't want to be so into myself that I am unaware Of the people around me. Look at the fourth verse as it continues. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbors. Now, something else that we see in this third verse is sometimes we compare ourselves against other people. We look and we say, I'm just a notch superior to everyone else around me. I have it, and there are so many people in this world who don't, those poor people. We're proud. What the Word of God is telling us is this, look, rather than looking around and comparing myself, and usually, you know what I do when I compare myself to other people? I cherry pick. I find the people that are going to be viewed by me as inferior, and I compare myself to the inferior. Why? Because it bolsters my pride, and I can brag on myself. I'm not to compare myself to other people. What I'm to do is to look to the Word of God, see what God seeks for me, what God wants me to be, and I am to test my actions, what I do, against what God has laid out for me to do. And that word test is an interesting one in the original language. It's a word that carries with it the idea of a saying something, of looking at something and saying seeing its worth, seeing its value, grasping what it provides. God wants us to live in that way. You see, comparing ourselves with others is that fuel for pride. So as I'm testing my works against other people, against the things that I perceive that I'm better at, and as I see my pride begin to grow, I'm on a fool's errand of deceit. What I really need to do is to look to the Word of God, assess whether or not what I'm doing matches up with God's Word, not another person, but God's Word, and live accordingly. The Word of God talks a lot about testing our faith. In fact, Peter said this, "...in this you rejoice." Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, now look at this, may be found in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need to remember everything that we do is assessed by the Lord. And at the end of my life, I want to be able to stand before the Lord and express to Him that I sought to lift up your name, to glorify you, to honor you, and not honor myself. God wants us to live in that way. And when we can live in that way, when we can practically live out what God has called us to do, living in the way that God wants us to live, when I can do that scriptural assaying that testing of the purity of my faith, then I can come with a clear conscience before my God and say, I sought to please and honor and glorify you. Isn't that the goal of every believer? Isn't that what we should strive toward? Now, the part of the passage that confuses some people is there in the fourth verse where it says, and then he will have reason to boast in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Now, when we look at that, we say, now, wait a minute, Isn't boasting always wrong? I mean, are we supposed to boast in ourselves? What is he saying? There are some other translations that do a pretty good job of rendering this passage of Scripture, and I think they give us the sense of what Paul is driving at when he talks about being able to boast in ourselves. Now, the New American Standard is very much like the English Standard Version in its translation. It says, each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, not in regard to another. In other words, not comparing yourself against other people, but just looking at what God has called you to and whether or not you're faithful to what God has called you to do. Another translation, the New King James says this, but let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Now here the idea is this, when you serve God, you rejoice. And there's nothing wrong with rejoicing in what God has called you to do and finding satisfaction in the things that God has equipped you to do. Giving him the glory But you know what? There's nothing wrong with serving other people. As a matter of fact, you know what I find? When I have the opportunity to serve other people, it's fulfilling. You walk away saying, wow, that was neat. I got to really care for another person. I got to take care of a need that they expressed, and that is so pleasing. I rejoice in the opportunity to do that. Another translation, the New Living Translation, says this, pay careful attention to your own work. Now look at this, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Now, to me, the Living Translation, the New Living Translation, really caught the sense of what the Apostle Paul is saying in this translation. He is sharing with us that if you want to find fulfillment in serving, Make your service about people. You will find great satisfaction in a job well done when you serve brothers and sisters in Christ. God wants us to live in that way, to serve in that way. That's what He's called us to. Last part of this passage, the fifth verse, tells us that we're to carry the responsibilities that God has given us. Now, we have seen the importance of identifying the needs of other people engaging in being a part of those needs but let me share this with you there are sometimes in the church that people will take advantage of those who seek to fulfill needs and care for others and they will manipulate and use the church body some pastors call them rice crispy christians they come in and just soak everything up you know That's kind of the idea of what the Scripture is talking about. And here, the Word of God is giving us balance. We're to be aware of one another's needs. We are to carry one another's burdens, those things that are too heavy for one person to lift. But God gives us responsibilities at times that we are responsible for ourselves. And look at what the fifth verse says. For each will have to bear his own load. Now, some see... uh, contradiction between verse 2, bear one another's burdens, and verse 5, each one has to bear his own load. But there are different words used to refer to burden in verse 2, where we're to bear one another's burdens, and load, that's mentioned in verse 5. The word load in verse 5 is like a day pack, a backpack that a military person would carry. And listen, the person carrying the backpack was responsible for carrying his own load. So what would happen if he's going along and they're, they're making a trek on a military campaign, and he says, you know, it's too much of a bother for me to carry my own pack. Would you carry my pack for me? You know, he says that to the guy next to him already carrying his own pack, right? Wouldn't happen. Wouldn't be fair if it did. Well, there are times in the church body where we can, because of our sinfulness seek to manipulate another person into carrying things that we have the responsibility to do. And let me share this with you. To me, one of the toughest calls that we make as believers is what is a load that's too heavy to carry and what is the load that I need to carry myself? And I don't know about you, but with me, it's it's easier for me... To speak to another person about helping them with their need than to share with another person the need that maybe I need help with. God wants us to have balance in this, I think is what this text is doing. So what I encourage people to do is pray about it. If you have a burden and you have a need and you're saying, is this something I should carry myself or is this something that I should share with others and have them help me carry it, pray and ask God for wisdom. But understand that there are people who will come into the church and they will bring a wheelbarrow full of needs and they are needs that through irresponsibility and poor decision-making, they have piled up and all they want is a place to dump it. God is saying, do not be one of those people that dumps on others. If you have a responsibility that you are capable of meeting, that God has equipped you to meet, step up and carry that load. The idea is, as followers of God, I can't expect the body of Christ to be drained by the things that I want to cast upon them that God has called me to do. And as I thought about this passage, I thought about ministry. When we come to church and we see an area of ministry that has a need. Sometimes it's easy for us to send our kids to that area of ministry. It's easy for us to reap the benefits from whatever ministry that might be. But we don't join in. We aren't carrying our load in the sense that we're participating and serving in the church body and the church family. We're glad to let others take care of our kids or we're glad to let others take care of a need in another area and invest their time and their energy, but we don't come alongside them. The idea is we carry one another's loads, but we also carry our own load. We participate. We join in. We share in service to this body. That's how God wants us to live out our Christian life. Last thought. Completing what God gives us to do glorifies Him. Look at the last part of that fifth verse. Each one will bear his own load. The idea is when we carry our own load, God has designed us to carry that load. God wants us to carry that load, and in so doing, I honor Him, I please Him. I am showing what it is to be a follower of Christ in a very, very clear way. God wants us to live in that way. God wants us to operate in that way. So let me ask you this morning, are you fulfilling the law of Christ? Are you carrying the load that He's given you, that He expects you to manage, that He expects you to carry? And then are you moving outside yourself, looking to those unmanageable loads that others have are trying to lift themselves and just can't? Are you stepping up and coming alongside them, seeking to assist them, seeking to help them, seeking them to handle the things that have been thrust upon them? Listen, if we are walking according to the Spirit of God, if we are living out the Word of God, we will be the people described in this passage. We will be the people who bear one another's burdens and carry the responsibilities that God individually assigns to us. And it's not in glory of self. It's in glory to God. May God teach us what it is to live in this way, practically living out the commands of Christ. Heavenly Father, thank You for this text. Thank You for the reminder that it is to us all that when we serve You, Lord, we glorify You. That when we serve one another, we are caring for a member of the body of Christ, one that Jesus Christ died for on the cross, one that He has called us into a connection with as a fellow believer. Lord God, teach us to be wise in the way that we bear one another's burdens, whether it's us seeking assistance or others assisting us or us assisting others. God, help us to be godly in the way that we do that. Guard us from pride, Lord. Guard us from the self-centeredness that keeps us from fulfilling what you call us to do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.